0: Hi, this is The Apologist Bookshelf, Gary Zacharias again. I've got a book this time called Approaching Jehovah's Witnesses in Love, subtitled How to Witness Effectively Without Arguing. I think that's uh, key, isn't it, instead of just back and forth arguing. The author is uh, Wilbur Lingle, and uh, I like the what it says in the back. Have you ever been disturbed because you've tried to convey your faith to a Jehovah's Witness and gotten nowhere? Do you wish you didn't feel like hiding whenever Jehovah's Witnesses ring your doorbell? Has God burdened your heart to reach these seemingly unreachable people for Christ, but you have no idea of how to do so effectively? It says, In this book is for you. So it is extremely practical. Um, it's, it's got all sorts of information. I mean, it's incredible. It's a 20 year old book, but um, these things don't change that much. And so it, it's just as fresh and as useful as uh, ever. And it talks about an overview at the beginning and then the initial contact with somebody who's Jehovah's Witness and how to begin. It gives you a history of the Watchtower movement. And then the part that I think is just uh, dynamite is the contrast between biblical Christianity and Watchtower beliefs. And then questions to ask Jehovah's Witnesses, how to lead the witness to Christ. What if the witness insists on a Bible study? And then it has all sorts of good appendices. I wanted to focus this time on questions to ask Jehovah's Witnesses, because when they come to the door, it's it's tempting to be kind of caught flat-footed and him uh, and haw, and they ask all the questions, and you're on the defense. But it, we, should, we could actually type up a little list, couldn't we, and have this with us, and uh, not to embarrass them, but just to get them thinking. So it says... Uh, I like this. It says, um, teaching a Jehovah's Witness to think for himself is well worth the effort. Okay, it says, be persistent. All right, so here's some of the questions. These are not all of them, but just to give you an idea of the range of questions that are out there. So here's a question. The society believes that the world will end very soon, and then you'll have the Millennial Kingdom, and it's going to be governed by the Watchtower Society. If this is correct, why are why is the society not training leaders for this job? Oh, well, it says you're probably not going to get much of an answer. So here's another question. Many different groups, like the Mormons or the Catholics or whoever, claim they're the only organization that represents God on earth. So everybody can't be right. So upon what distinctive doctrines does the Watchtower Society base its claim that it's the only true religious group? And then they tell you, he tells you, well, they'll give you some answers like, well, we don't believe in the Trinity. Well, there are other groups that don't believe in the Trinity. Uh, what else makes you distinctive? Well, uh, we don't go to war. Well, he says there are other groups that haven't gone to war. Well, we're against blood transfusions. Well, that's not the only group that's against that, and on and on. And so it's interesting. Uh, he takes that apart. At the end of that section there where he's dealing with that question, he says, uh, somebody may say to you, well, we're, we're known for using the word Jehovah. We're the only group that uses that. And a really good answer is, well, look, I don't mind using the proper name for God, which is Yahweh. But it says, I don't like to use a false name for him. It says, if you look up the name Jehovah in just about any dictionary or encyclopedia, you're gonna find out that Jehovah is a false reading of the Hebrew word Yahweh. And then he's got a whole section here uh, from the Webster's Dictionary, Encyclopedia Americana, Encyclopedia Britannica, Jewish Encyclopedia, and on and on. And how over and over they say Jehovah is a mistranslation. So, oops, that doesn't work very well, does it? Here's another question I like a lot. The Watchtower Society teaches the Bible's inspired, but it's got to be properly explained. That's illuminated, in their words, to be understood. And the governing body of the Watchtower Organization is the only group that's supposedly qualified to do this illuminating. But, and I want to come back to this more than once, and this is something I think is so crucial. The illumination has changed many times. In other words, they've changed doctrines. Why didn't God have the Bible illuminated when it was originally written? Why did He make people wait nineteen hundred years to understand the Bible? Yeah, that's that's my question. A lot of problems there. And then here's a specific issue. In many churches, congregations follow the example of Jesus in Matthew six, verses nine to thirteen, they pray the Lord's Prayer. It says, do the Jehovah's Witnesses obey this command of Jesus? And the answer is no. So you wonder, well, how biblical are they if they don't do something like that? Here's another question. Why? Where did the organization, the, the church, the now we're talking Watchtower organization, where did it move to after the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD? It says, you teach that the organization in the book of Acts was the true church. So what happened to this organization after the fall of Jerusalem? Jerusalem. And it says, they're not going to find anything. There's no record that there's ever a central organization like they claim. All right. So that's uh, another one on another page here. They talk about, oh, this is a really good one. What about that number 144,000? How did they explain that? Well, Charles Russell, the person who started uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, he believed and taught that the anointed ones were chosen right after the church began. And by the end of the first century, most of them were chosen. And he even uh, mentions it's a Watchtower magazine in February 1975 that says Jehovah God started selecting the 144,000 1,900 years ago. Well, if the clock starts ticking then, of course, here's the problem. The church was persecuted for several centuries, and so the true church existed and it expanded And surely, the the author says here, the Christians in the early church would have been among the 144,000. And it says, you've got hundreds of thousands that died as martyrs and were all over the place. And it says, from the Bible and accurate church history, we know there were hundreds of thousands of true believers in the early years. In fact, he says it was estimated there were at least 250,000 Jewish Christians alone. And that could have been as high as one million. Well, so... Where are you coming up with 144,000 when you have a lot more than that? It says, uh, you know, if the teaching is true that only 144,000 people will go to heaven, how could there be any openings up there, considering how many true believers have died since then? All right, let me go to another uh, set of questions that I like. Um, How about this one? The Society states that the 144,000 are the worthy ones appointed by God. Well, here's the catch, though. Just about everything practiced by Jehovah's Witnesses before 1935 is now considered pagan. Oh, oops. So are they going to be among the, the choice ones? Uh, here are the things they changed. Uh, before 1935, they voted, took part in government. They could participate in war, could observe holidays and Christmas, were permitted to smoke, were not against blood transfusions didn't use the proper name for God, didn't have a proper organization, thought that Jesus died on a cross, they were permitted to worship Jesus, they believed all Jehovah's Witnesses would go to heaven, and that Christ's invisible return occurred in 1874. So the question is, if all of those things were okay before 1935, but now they're not okay, then why would God choose any of those people before then to live and reign with Him if they're doing pagan practices? Okay, so that's an interesting way to argue. Another question. a Different angle, completely. Any organization as large as the society needs to issue regular financial statements. Please show me a current financial statement for the Watchtower Society. Well, the society does not issue one. Now, of course, the question is, why, don't, why not? Why don't they do that? Okay, so there's uh, some silence regarding their funding, their money, their income. Uh, Let's try another one here. Okay. Oh, yeah. A lot of good questions about the history of uh, the Watchtower organization. It was started by Charles Russell. Okay, so here's a question. It claims that the Watchtower Society is the sole channel of God's communication to the earth. On what basis did Russell make this claim? Did, Did he get revelations directly from heaven? Telling them what to teach? The Watchtower Society says it's different from every other group on earth. Well, what was the distinctive teaching that no one else had? And of course, we already covered that in a way. They, they don't have anything that's that distinctive. How about this question? Boy, is this a leading question and it'll you know, make them uh, wiggle a little bit. Did any of Charles Russell's teachings ever have to be changed? Did he ever make any predictions that did it not come true? Oh, actually most of his teachings have been altered he falsely said that christ was going to return and the whole world system would disappear at the end and would end in 1914 okay well how about this does the watchtower society proudly acknowledge this man as their founder no he does get mentioned a bit in the books but they don't hold him up as the champion because they know he made so many mistakes what about uh, the next man who came along? His name was uh, Joseph or Judge Rutherford. Did he set any state any dates for Christ's return? Yeah, he did. He got them wrong. And then, of course, there were other uh, presidents after that, and uh, they have made so many mistakes all through their uh, times in office. How about this one? The Watchtower Society says it's directed by God. Yet many changes. In what it teaches have had to be made over the years. If it had divine guidance, why have so many mistakes been made? Now, let me give you just a quick rundown of some of the things I did just a second ago. But here's a list of what they believe today and before 1930. So today, don't vote. Don't get involved in government. Before 1930, yeah, you could vote. You could be involved. Today, against war. Back then, they could go to war. They don't observe holidays today. They used to before 1930. They used the name Jehovah exclusively for God. Now, not then. That started in 1931. They're now an organization. They claim to be an organization, not before 1930. Uh, they look forward to paradise on the new earth today. Back then, they said all Jehovah's Witnesses would be going to heaven. Oh, okay. Today, they're against blood transfusions Back then, they could. They could receive them. They believed Jesus died on a torture stake. That's what their belief is today. Back before 1930, that he died on a cross. Today, they say Christ returned invisibly in 1914. Very convenient, isn't it? He came back invisibly. But before 1930, they said it was going to happen in 1874. They do not worship Jesus today. They did back then. So there's this big, long list. And of course the question is if the society's teachings are proof that it's right. Why are all the teachings different from what was believed sixty years ago? Yes, exactly. Now they will say things like, Well, they're they're, they're getting new light, but and, and they just need to admit their mistakes and desire to make progress, that's the way it goes. But here's a question. You said the Watchtower Society admits its mistakes. Could you show me one place in any of the Watchtower publications? Where they clearly stated they made a mistake and apologized for it and the author says this has never been done they can't show you that so what happens is the society just comes out with a new statement and it makes the other one obsolete and they never mention the fact and then i think this is just a real telling question would you tell me what kind of restitution has been made because of the suffering that was caused by their many mistakes so here's some examples Witnesses got killed or injured when they fought and war. And of course, now they're not supposed to fight. And they, in turn, of course, killed others. How about this? Many witnesses contracted smallpox during the years that it prohibited vaccinations. Have they said they're sorry or reimbursed or done anything for those people? No. How about this? Many witnesses died. They could have lived if they'd been allowed to have organ transplanted. Uh, organs transplanted. Witnesses have been disfellowshipped which is awful, that's huge emotional anguish. They got cut off, but they often got cut off based on doctrine that has changed. But the society has done nothing to rectify these errors and people remain disfellowshipped. Well, what about the financial loss for many who sold their homes and they, they were told that the world was coming to an end in October, 1975, they sold homes, they sold businesses. It says, don't you think society should check out this matter thoroughly and and help these people. So um, this is, again, this is a book called Approaching Jehovah's Witnesses in Love. I'm just giving you a, a quick run-through of just the chapter on the questions. There are plenty other questions that you can have. And I just think it'd be really effective to have a list. Uh, you're not going to sit there with a book, but you could type up a list and uh, interact with them. if they If they want to come in and sit down, you've got some things that you can say. Okay, and the book does a lot of other wonderful things, too. So uh, thank you for uh, listening, and we'll have another podcast shortly.